This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, and also the co-host of Ten Forward, Darren Moser. Uh, Darren, uh, how are things going with the crew? I, I hear you've been listening to a lot of serious issues with them lately. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. You finally read the plaque next to my office back here behind the bar. No one has ever read the plaque that says I am the co-host of 10 Forward. Thank you for acknowledging that. But but yes, I've been getting a lot of traffic at the bar here at 10 Forward. I mean, I, I, there's, there's other recreational facilities on the enterprise but apparently all of you know the fourth shift just wants to be in 10 forward telling me all about their problems you know i'm getting a little tired of it so uh i'm just going to um press my emergency baryon sweep button that uh, has that emergency klaxon go and i think that'll clear this place out real fast oh yeah i i think you usually you usually use that during christmas is what i hear it's green well i'm Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also joined by my co-host, sitting on my right, Commander Daniel Prue. Now, Daniel, I've I've been looking over your away team reports. Things have been getting very eventful lately. Maybe I should be leading some of these. What? What? No. No, I'm, no these are actually really boring. You Listen, the action's on the ship. Just, just stay where you are, I promise. You're not missing anything. I go down to the planet. I just say hello a few times and take a nap. So... Just no, really, really. Just let me go to the planets. You stay up on the ship. Just trust me. Okay. I mean, all right. Well, I'll I'll take your word for it for now. Well, as, as folks, exactly. Well, as folks probably don't have any idea from what we just did. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're going to tr- tackle the controversial storylines of the next generation. Now, when I say controversial stories, you can probably think of a lot of things, but as again, you know, when it's me, I always have my little rules that I make up. So when I mean controversial storylines, I mean where, where the writers purposefully wanted to send a message, um, either explicitly or implicitly, through the story. You know, you know we're going to tackle a serious subject, guys. Um, you know, there's some episodes which are, which are controversial just because they turned out that way, but maybe not on purpose. But I'm going to try and talk about the ones that were kind of purposefully written to address an issue or something. And so um, I, I have a bunch of episodes listed here that, we, that we're going to talk through, but I'm going to kind of just open it up to you guys first. Because, you know, you know, the big thing about Star Trek, the original series, when it first started, was like, oh, you know, Gene Roddenberry and the other writers, they're, they're tackling serious issues, but they're hiding it 
and sci-fi constructs. We can talk about, you know, Vietnam. We can talk about race. We can talk about all those sort of hot button 60s and 70s issues. And so the next generation was like, you know, is that going to continue that Star Trek tradition or not? And so, Darren, I'm going to go with you about do you think that the next generation was able to sort of use that sort of sci-fi conceit that we can talk about modern issues, but in a way that it's in the future and so it's easier maybe to talk about? I think that it does. It does continue that. That that is I would definitely say is a is a critical part of Star Trek. Not that every episode needs to be dealing with, you know, the times, but the fact that Star Trek can use itself as a lens. But there are several episodes that seem to almost predate things and in this post nine eleven world, like the drumhead one comes to mind where uh, you know, that is has a rousing speech that speaks about personal liberty and freedom and, you know, things yeah, that shouldn't be trodden upon. So I definitely do agree that, uh, you know, controversial storylines, I mean, the name in itself, it's like, well, controversial to who in, in what context? I mean, a lot of things were controversial, like you said, in the sixties, but you know, some things have changed. Um, some things haven't, you know, in the, in the decades since then, so it, I think, will people look back on uh, next gen, you know, 20 years from now, even when it's 40 some odd years old, entering its midlife of reruns uh, and look and say, oh, that that's that was controversial back then. We don't even deal with that anymore. Right. What, what about you, Dan? You know, the, the conceit is that, you know, sometimes when you're writing a modern day television show, you can't talk about certain things, you know, for whatever reason. But if you're a sci-fi show, you can you can hide it from the network or from the syndicates or whatever. And maybe they're like, oh, they're just talking about an alien race when you're really you're talking about something that's going on these days. Well, it's it's one of the great liberties with science fiction, right? That you can you can is what they did in the original series, and it's what science fiction does generally pretty well overall, where you can talk about things that. That maybe everybody has to deal with, but they like to ignore, or it's a big part of everyone's life, but it's maybe not in the mainstream conversation. Um, you can frame it in a anything. I mean, that's that's the beauty of science fiction. You can frame anything inside of science fiction um, and make a meaningful conversation about it. In fact, uh, I actually I, that's one of the things I love most about science fiction, and I think it's it's the power of science fiction that that gives you this ability sometimes with some people. That you can, you can. I don't want to say force because that's not the right word, but you can push the issue, and you can, you can maybe get people to talk about an issue that they normally would maybe shy away from, uh, if you put it in the context uh, of science fiction. I, I have to tell you, I had, I've, I have definitely changed my opinions on some things um, after kind of critically analyzing th- those kinds of situations in the context of something like Star Trek. Uh, it's it. That's the power of this storytelling is the fact that you can say, "Hey, wait a minute. Take a let's try to let's try to pull back from the situation that you're in, uh, and take a look at this from the outside." And it's a it's it has a wonderful ability to do that. Star Trek specifically, but science fiction in general. And I'm I'm I think it's a good uh, subject to tackle for sure. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll continue to kind of talk about these reoccurring themes as we get to some episodes that certainly I picked out. So, if, you know, people don't like them. They, they can just focus all their controversial blame on me. 
Um, the first one I picked, and this is in no, no particular order, as as uh, my co-host can see on the list. Um, but the first one I picked is is because it just struck me as like when they were writing this episode, they were they were trying to do something. But we'll just go for it. My first pick is uh, the Outcast. This is a season five episode, episode seventeen. Um, now, th- and this is going to be me framing it, so y'all can agree or disagree. Um, but th- this was sort of the like, you know, we haven't tackled, you know, homosexuality, and and, and again, this is uh, what fifth season, so this is about uh, I don't know what ninety. I'm doing, doing this math off the top of my head, yeah, right, but anyway, right, right, so 90. 89, 90, yeah. Um, and so you know, this is if if folks can have to go back in time in their minds here about this is what twenty four years ago, so you know, it's a different time. Um, so okay, we're you know we want to tackle gay issues, but we don't, you know, how do we want to do it? Da, da, da. And so we get the outcast, and you sort of get this um, to remind folks, you know, uh, there's this genderless species. Uh, Riker gets to know one, and um, you know, it turns out that maybe this this one he's dealing with um, has more of a, a she identity, which is sort of you know bad, you know, or considered you know, bad to have a gender identity in that species. And he encourages that they develop a relationship and they're maybe going to sneak off, whatever. But then she gets recaptured by her people, Riker and Worf do their black pajamas. Um, but the, uh, person gets successfully rebrainwashed and hand quote cured. And that's the end of the episode, which I, I always feel like it's a cross message that like, you know, if this was, if this is supposed to be, the um like the gay equivalent episode this is what the episode tells me sometimes you'll meet people and they may have they may come out as and have different you know maybe homosexual feelings but don't worry they can be cured i'm like what i don't think you were sending the right message star trek <laughs> but what do you guys think about the outcast uh, whether i'm like i mean and that that's that's philip's point of view so what did y'all what did y'all think that they were trying to say in that episode and did, did you think it was successful in how they were trying to say it i actually think it's a little bit deeper than that i i um i don't see it so much um as a homosexual issue uh as a gender issue um and i mean it certainly can be seen through both lenses and and again this is where we're probably going to have to do this most of the episode where we're, we talk about things specifically from our point of view. But um, yeah, I, I do see it as kind of a, a, a gay, I can see where like the gay issue comes into play and, and where you can see that metaphor in, in this episode, but it's actually more of a, of a gender rights issues. Like, like specifically because like we deal in this episode with a, a society that has shunned gender roles and gender uh, differences in all of these things. Literally, they've essentially become middle of the road, uh, neutral pe- uh, beings, and and this this character comes along and and kind of shifts or leans one way or the other, and and is seen as a danger to the society. Um, certainly, there are, are homosexual parallels, gay parallels in that story, but uh, it's interesting because we're dealing now with kind of transgender issues, and. And this is actually one of the greatest examples. I'm glad you picked this one as the first first uh, episode, Philip, because it's actually one of the best examples of forward-thinking Star Trek The Next Generation episodes where they're, like, dealing with issues. We still, as a society, I don't think, we really still haven't had this conversation. Uh, and Star Trek was doing it, like you said, tw- almost 25 years ago. 
because yeah, I know I, I, you know, we we once heard it said that TNG it has no sex in it, and we all sort of guffawed at that because I mean, t- you just take this episode where like Riker <laughs> child. And, sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, where where and I'm sorry that I'm forgetting the main character's name, guest star in this, but anyway, where Riker and her um are basically talk about sex in the shuttle for like a good like a quarter of the episode, like so how do you do it, and like how do you do it, you know, um. And then regress think, back to high school or middle exactly, school or whatever. Exactly. Cause I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, I, cause I feel like, you know, she, she describes it. I mean, I know she's genderless at that moment, but anyway, she sort of describes their sexual process and records like, well, that doesn't sound very, you know, interesting. <laughs> and she's like, well, you don't know how we do it. Um, but then, the, <laughs> but then she, she also, or, you know, I, I, I know we're, I'm messing up the pronouns here, but I'm going to go with she, cause that's what she ended up kind of being. But, um, where she asked him to explain gender roles, like why do men, you know, what are men like and what are women like? And I think that was sort of a, a curious way to, you know, when you, if you're the writer, you're like, well, I'm having to write this like it's the 24th century, but I'm writing this in the 20th century. So it's like, you know, women still wear makeup in the 24th century. I mean, do they? Will they? I don't know. Okay. And why do they do it? Do, do they do it to attract men? Do they do it for themselves? You know, and so it's, I thought it was sort of, it was interesting to watch Riker and I think even Beverly or I don't know. I have to explain all that. Yeah, it's a good point. You know what? I mean, that's 200 years in the future thinking 200 years in our past and how different things were. I mean, it's, and that's the thing. It's kind of the edge of, of sci-fi where you, you can predict, but you know, that's, that's so far ahead. It's almost impossible to be remotely accurate in that. Yeah. And I remember too, uh, I haven't watched the episode I didn't watch it in preparation for this show, so uh, forgive me if I'm getting some of the details wrong. But, Philip, I'm with you where I, I do remember that conversation where they're talking about, oh, well, women, women wear makeup and why do they do this? And why, like, what is the, what is the purpose and the, uh, what does this accomplish? And it's actually a really interesting conversation. And you're right. I assume that the writers were like, well, how do we account for this and how do we justify this? And it's actually a really interesting conversation to have. Uh, and it, I actually, it's, it's a great episode. It's a really strong episode and there's a lot of issues that, that you could just delve into for a long time about, about the, you know, the outcast and what, the, what exactly it's saying about gender roles and all of these other things as well. Yeah. And, and to me, and I know I already said this, but I mean, I think to me what kills the episode is like, we said how it ends. Like to me, if they had like ended it, you know, do everything the same thing, but just like sort of focus I can, again, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. But anyway, the, you focus on that guest star. But like you, the camera shows that maybe that you know you know she's cured, right? But then like she does something which suggests uh, maybe she's actually not, and that's how it ends. Instead of it just being like because to me the when I watched the episode during my rewatch, I'm like, you know, this is sort of a prime directive territory. Why? Are, how can we judge this species? Maybe that they're right. Maybe the bad guys in this episode are right. That this is a, some sort of aberrational deviant thing and that you know you just cure it and that's fine and that's normal and it's and and it's Riker that's putting on his sort of you know sort of being the trip of this episode of like no you should be rebelling and and it's like nope that's fine in their society leave them alone well I think I get the feeling that they had to write her not having even a hint of that at the end because if Riker had seen a hint he would have given Worf the go sign and they would have stormed the castle. 
<laughs> you know, like you had to almost in order to reset the, you know, the the series back to the next episode, Riker can't, be, you know, react to this at all. There had to be no instance. No, you're right. I, cause it's a very gruff ending with like Picard's like, number one, do we have any more business here? He's like, no. Well, I mean, it's also <laughs> kind of a prime directive episode, right? It's and it's like, can you change a society? And maybe, and maybe, maybe I'm giving too much credit to the writers here, but maybe it's also a, a futility of the times. Like, you know, things aren't going to change overnight. Things are not going to be different. People are not going to see people in a different light. They're not going to see these gender issues or sexuality issues differently, um, you know, tomorrow in 1990 than they do today. So maybe that was kind of what the writers were dealing with. It was a frustration of let's get these issues out there. But on the other hand, you know, we have a long way to go. And um, so I don't I don't it doesn't bother me that the episode ends that way, because it almost seems like to me in the science fiction lens, it's like, oh, you can't change. We said what we could and then we had to stop talking. Yeah, Like Riker, Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as awesome as Riker is, and I think we all think he is. He can't change a society overnight, and and neither can any of us. But but let's at least have the conversation and see where where that can lead. And just so our listeners know that I do care, her name was Soren, and her race Dr. was the Tolian Soren. <laughs> exactly. So, and Daniel, a revolution can begin with one man. <laughs> anyway. All right, well, we're, that, was, that, was, that was pretty good, guys. So I'm going to move on to the next discussion, or next episode. Um, eh, it's, it's, a, it's an okay episode. But anyway, it was a controversial one. It's The High Ground. The High Ground. This is from Season 3, Episode 12. Um, this is the Dr. Beverly episode with... Um, not the, now, Beverly. Not, oh, wait, not that one. <laughs> no, no. This is the not-Irish-Irish terrorist. Um, and Beverly gets kidnapped and... Uh, she ends up um, wearing big sunglasses and then carrying a machine gun. No way, I'm thinking of someone else. Um, but anyway, now she gets kidnapped, and um, she, you know, she and the terrorist leader have this sort of discussion. Uh, the terrorists are trying to get the Federation involved um, in their war, so they can get, you know, uh, that the, you know, if the Federation becomes involved, then they'll negotiate, and then, then that will force more negotiations, and they'll be recognized as a legitimate people, you know. Re- rebellion or whatever and they try to blow up the enterprise and whatever and and eventually they all get killed i think it's actually how it ends all the rebels get killed if i if i remember it correctly because it's a Riker is work if i believe so is working with their security leader right that's an awesome b plot in that episode Mm -hmm. it is because the the um to me the controversy i mean this is this is episode about terrorism in case you know i haven't spelled that out um and the security chief of the planet um, a woman, just by the way, going from last week. Um, and uh, she explains that like she was a little bit more liberal in her political beliefs about the terrorists. But after seeing all these people get killed, hey, I'm just here to, to do, you know, the per- first person before me was terrible about how they, you know, did order against the terrorists. But like now I kind of see why they did that because all I see are these people dying and I just want to protect my people, even though I may be sympathetic. And so it kind of talked about, you know, law and order versus freedom fighters versus terrorism and then i think i mean this is literally a controversial storyline because i don't believe i don't know if it was the whole episode or a line i think it was just maybe a line from this episode was never was was censored in uh the united kingdom because there's a line mm-hmm. about um i think because again this is third season so this is what 87 80, 80, 89 90 talked about uh ireland 
being united. Um, and, you know, Data says, well, Ireland was united in the year blah, 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 <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So Funny they'd want that out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, what do you, well, what do you, I don't know. I'll go with you, Daniel, first. What, what do you think of the high ground as far as any controversy you think was on purpose or maybe not on purpose? And what you got from this, if anything? You know, looking at it now from a 2014 uh, perspective, it is it is easier to say, whoa, whoa, what are they saying? What's the message here, right? Like, uh, I mean, to me, it's not. To me, I'm totally okay with the episode, and I get what they're saying, and I don't have a problem with it because I like a lot of the line. There's a, the scene that Picard has with Data on the bridge, mm-hmm. and and Data is, is specifically saying, well, wait, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Terrorism has been effective. It has made it's affected change oh, time and time and time again. It has been a useful tool uh, for people uh, in order to ch- change their societies and to change the world around them. And is that necessarily wrong? Or, or I mean, what? Do, how do we feel about that? And it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting, especially now. Of course, it's a very interesting subject to tackle. Um, you know, I'm not going to fall on either side of it for the purposes of this conversation, but, uh, I, I think it's something, it's a conversation that we at least need to have that a lot of people, and it's funny because we pick it up in deep space nine, right? We have a, a lot of these storylines, essentially with Kira, but with the Bajorans in general, who, who kind of are pushed to this extreme. And you see it from, quote-unquote, the terrorist's perspective. And Star Trek, of course, before 2000, uh, 2001 ever happened, before 9-11 ever happened, is actually showing another side, actually kind of showing both sides of this of this issue. And it, it's interesting, and uh, I think it's a conversation worth having even today, especially today, uh, in the world, the post-9-11 world that we live in, that we should talk about these kinds of uh, issues uh, and maybe not take them at face value for what they are. What about you, Darren? And do you love America more than Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to say that I love America. Uh, But no, I think, uh, yeah. And because in the nineties, you know, we were still dealing with this stuff. And uh, just a few years later in 93 was the first, you know, bombing attack on the, on the world trade center, um, and you have, you know, Oklahoma City bombings and all the, all those things that happened around then. But yeah, it's it's and I think you you're you're right, Philip, where that, that scene with data, that's kind of almost part of the crux of the episode because he's right, you know, in the lens of history, terrorism is effective, but when it's in the present, it doesn't feel so effective. Or, you know, it's not something we would want. It's like we especially in the 24th century, we, we want to feel that can't we get around the table and, you know, sort out our differences without resorting to that. But, you know, I don't think this, uh, uh, planet's going to get their application for Federation membership through anytime (laughs) soon. No, no. Well, and it's interesting because, and, and Daniel, I don't know if you'll, if you remember the, um, I, uh, what's it called? Ishmael or Isaac and Ishmael, the West wing episode. 
9-11 episode where basically I, like the line there I think was like someone has said like you know gosh terrorism never works but why do they people do it and like I don't know it's a good question and I always feel like that the sort of the meme is that terrorism doesn't work terrorism doesn't work and and when I watch the high ground and I hear data expl- you know theoretically you know or I guess you know explicitly the smartest guy in the room say gosh John Luke or you know gosh Captain Picard terrorism sure does work and like because you never hear that I'm mean, in, in any other, at least I've never heard that in any other pulp culture setting. It does go, work, but it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I've, I've always heard that, like, no, you know, terrorism is, they never get it because it, but I mean, and so to hear that perspective from data, it's sort of like, that's the controversy. Like, no, you're, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that. And so. Ex data on the errorist tay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had to go on Twitter and apologize, and it was pretty weird. Anyway, no. Um, but. And and I think and again this is this is our controversial episode so you know listeners we're going to be controversial for this episode and then we'll go back to being non controversial but like again it, you know what is terrorism because again this was sort Next of written, we'll talk about phasers what color I was should say be with the Irish kind of not Irish the but they're pretty explicitly Irish about this but you know this so this is the IRA because again this is early nineties this is before the the peace uh, I mean before they were got all the the peace process over there that they have now in the in the mid to late nineties. Uh, you know, with with the IRA and 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 Sean Fan and and all those parties. I'm not an expert, but but you know all those. And so you sort of have that, you know. And then pick your spot in the world. You know, what's terrorism, and then what's freedom fighter, and what's where's the line, and how far do you go? And and you know, we're certainly going to answer that here. But this episode, which I don't know, I feel like the main terrorist guy is not exactly the most sympathetic guy in the world, especially when he tries to like. Hey, Beverly, I tried to kill your son, but you still love me. You know, it's, it's yeah. really weird. He's kind of stretching. Yeah. <laughs> and Picard's kind of like shaking Beverly. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, yeah, it's certainly an episode where the subject matter is is uh, uh, certainly more important, I guess, than the overall plot of the episode overall. But what you just mentioned, too, I think uh, is probably what pushes. It's not that it's presenting a quote-unquote terrorist sympathetic point of view it's the fact that we're not we're having one of our main characters and not just one of our main characters but our technically our most objective main character saying out loud on screen terrorism is an effective tool for affecting change that's what's really uh interesting and really quote-unquote controversial about this episode it's actually saying something it's saying wait a minute regardless of whether you disagree or agree with the means the means accomplish something. And we, that's, that's a conversation that, that is at least worth having. And it's interesting if we've, I don't you know, has any post nine eleven show ever said that? So, well, we're going to move on. I, I think I almost feel like we're going down in quality as I go down my list. So I apologize. <laughs> the next one is um, symbiosis. And this is from season one. Yes, that's folks. You know me. I'm not afraid to go there. Season one, episode 22. Um, and so this is 1987 slash 88. Um, uh, the, I mean, you know, for those, at least who know the United States, kind of the beginning of the drug war. I mean, or at least the, the, the climax of the drug war kind of, I mean, Reagan years, but this is kind of, uh, you know, Bush one. Um, but you know, kind of the, the climax of the, 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 the drug war and all that stuff. And, but this is the episode of, for those who don't remember, actually has some great guest stars from TOS original series movies, by the way. Uh, David um, from Star Trek Three and uh, Khan's Lieutenant from Star Trek Two are both in this thing. Um, and it's basically where uh, the Enterprise stops the species who's really sick um, from this one planet. And they're like kind of poor farmer 
folks from this one planet and there's a sort of rich other planet who they depend on for this medicine and it turns out they're actually big the rich space air quotes right there exactly and then it turns out the rich planet is basically just a bunch of drug dealers and the poor planet is just a bunch of users and yar gives wesley a nice after school speech about drugs um but it's interesting because then beverly's like look we can't help these people they're we're not going to support you know drug dealers but then we got the prime directive and then basically Picard kind of you know splits the baby at the end and says well I'm not going to interfere but at the same time I'm also not going to help you all out um, junkies so you're just going to have to go through withdrawal <laughs> live with it and you drug dealers are going to have to figure it out on your own bye <laughs> and warp 9 we're out of here yeah. then he looks Solved. right in the camera and says don't drugs <laughs> <laughs> and then Data says but sir, aren't drugs effective? And he's like, shut yeah, up, shut I, up. <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you about quoting? <laughs> but anyway, so Darren, I'll pick on you since I picked on Dana last time. Um, what do you think they were trying to do? Were they successful? And what do you think about it? Or none of those? Well, just like other great Trek uh, episodes, this one starts as a mystery. You know, why? What's the sickness? What's going on? And then you're like, oh, they're just horribly addicted <laughs> to this. Um, and you know, there's many episodes where the TNG crew is called upon to judge the species it interferes with, uh, you know, and they kind of, you know, sit down at the table and say, yeah, you should be doing this. And they say, no, we we, we don't think you should stop us. So, uh, but well, the trial never ends, Darren. (laughs) We'll always be back next week. Um, but no, I think. It's 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 the loosest of allegories to you know a, a a drug war. It's not even a drug war. It's more like you know we've just completely addicted this other planet, and we're just it's more of a cover up than anything because they don't even know that you know they're addicted to this substance and that's what's causing you know their their pain. But I think uh, again, but it's a strong Beverly you know episode, which is those are good when they come by. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a pretty good season one episode, I feel. And, uh, it's a little, a little thin in the disguise, uh, as we've talked about, you know, what's this really talking about? It's like, well, you know, at least in the game, like we all could definitely tell it was addictive right away. <laughs> well, I think the, the lesson from the game is Riker needs to calm down, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what do you think about symbiosis, and what 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 do you take away from it? What 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 should we even think that it means, or does it even mean anything in two thousand fourteen? You know, um, it's interesting. This is an interesting. This is a totally different conversation to have, but I'm just going to lay it out there. Um, I, I was born in nineteen eighty six. Uh, grew up in the nineties, of course. Um, I, I've come since to realize that the the don't you know the dare program and just say no and all of these things were kind of like crazily heavily indoctrinated into my head as a young child uh not that i'm saying it's good or bad it doesn't matter i'm just saying um it's interesting to get uh, perspectives from people older or younger because a lot of people don't have that but i remember in in school being exposed to this and uh you you two may be a little bit a little bit older than that. Maybe you didn't experience it as much as I did, but I remember it being a huge part of school. Um, so this annual. Fe- when I was a kid, a dime bag cost a dime. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. 
So this episode feels, it, it feels, I'm sure you, maybe you guys actually probably do agree, it feels like a, an after-school special. It feels just like it's so, like the conversation. Like that, the G.I. Joes are going to bust out. Yeah. And like, it's going to be so thinly veiled, like they're going to be just talking straight to you. Well, Billy, well, Billy from the planet, you shouldn't do drugs. <laughs> And it's just like when you watch it, it's like the the conversation between uh, Yar and Wesley is like, well, Wesley, I used to live on a planet that had drugs and it was terrible. Like, it was, <laughs> it's just so bad. Every day. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't. Like so it. they just tie ribbons onto the onto the ship. As it goes in between, like you know, like the chain link fence, it spells out "dare" or "stop" or whatever it was supposed to spell out. Wait, wait, was that the teddy bear that the girl dropped in Generations? Was a dare bear? Yeah, it could have been. It very well could have been. So to me, this episode definitely like reeks of that like era of like, come on, kids, you know better. Like, like it just like, and it's like so over the top. Like, I don't. I, I think there's a lot to say about drug addiction. It's a super important subject to talk about. But the way that Yar is condescending to, like, the West is like, why would anybody be a drug addicted to drugs? I don't understand at all. Like, it's so In my ridiculous. perfect 1% white world, there's <laughs> yeah. no reason to be addicted to anything. It's like, thanks, Wesley, Now, if this was, thanks. like, a, a real 1980s episode, like, Yar would have just been, like, you know, sucking up that cigarette. <sighs> Well, Wesley, I don't know why kids do drugs. <laughs> Here, have a have a camel. <laughs> have a candy so, cigarette. They would have been like they would have had like, you know, data on the left and wharf on the right. This is your brain, this is your brain on drugs kind of thing. Like like that's exactly where they probably would have gone with that. So And Wharf takes his batleth to like an egg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then, and then he, or no, he takes a frying pan to it, and then he's he looks up and he does the Klingon death scream, and the camera pulls out in the dramatic, like three shot yes. pull away view, until it's just outside the Enterprise, and we still hear him screaming. Wes looks at Picard. I learned it from watching you, Captain. Oh, God. I learned it from watching you. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where because this is an odd. I mean, not it's an interesting odd episode in in this way. Where Picard, because, you know, Beverly's sort of the, I mean, as she can be, and I don't say this in a bad way, and I don't think I give her credit enough. Beverly's actually usually the voice of reason, to tell you the truth. I think I've just realized that. Except she's, she's usually the most terrorism, like, but. Well, that's true. I just, you're right. You just, yeah. Then, yeah, I, I lost. But actually. no. 80% of the time, she is the <laughs> voice of reason. <laughs> Look, I just got to stand up for the redhead. That's all I can do. But anyway, um. But that prime directive, and this is kind of a, a fun thing about the prime, you know, this is sort of, again, season one, like, shouldn't we just stop the drug dealers? Picard's like, nah, nah hold on, hold on, so, not so fast. What's the least amount of work I can do to resolve the situation? How about <laughs> not helping? That's a pretty good least amount of work. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting episode to try to figure out how it applies. But anyway, I'm going to move on. And again, um, you know, we're going to spice things up. We're gonna, this is actually, I think, a better episode. The Perfect Mate. This is season five, episode 21. Um, this is when Jean Grey um, arrives at the mansion and Professor X... Ha- Wait, hold on. Okay, it looked exactly like that, though. Okay, um, but anyway, this is when the... Um, 
uh, I forget how she's discovered because I'm trying to not mix this up with the Enterprise episode. But anyway, because uh, isn't she like in the egg and the Ferengi like mess it up and she hatches and it's like, oh, it's a woman. And basically she's to be a gift to this other planet's leader. I always um, mix this one up with the perfect or with um, the dolphin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the one that's of age. Not okay. the underage one. Um, yeah, and so this is Picard instead of Wesley. Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, this woman's being delivered um, to be as like it's like she's going to be delivered to the guy as well as like all these other trade and, and material things. But she's sort of like the closer, I guess. I don't know to stop the war between these two people. And part of her species is that you know they really attract men. Well, I, don't, I would say men and women in a way, but I'll, I'll just say men for the moment because I actually do think she attracts both. But anyway, and that she, whatever, whoever she deals with, she'll automatically become like that person. And she'll she like imprint. the real life minuet, basically. Exactly. I mean, she is like the real life minuet. And so, you know, fast forward to where instead of imprinting on this future husband who really doesn't care about her at all, she imprints on Picard, who has been trying to fight her advances like the whole episode. Um and which I think he successfully does. I don't think I don't think they make out or anything, do they? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, but he sort of I think he's there to oversee the wedding or something, and that's sort of how they get together. But anyway, um, and that's sort of the end. And she gets delivered to the guy, and the guy's like, I don't really don't care about her anyway. About those trade routes, and then that's how the episode ends. Um, so, I mean, the, the controversy for me is was sort of like. And I don't know if there's an actual analogy to modern times. It's just here's a sci-fi controversial episode about you know what do we think about this this woman? And I think Women again, being Bev- property and being yeah. Traded. And again, to me, Beverly's the voice of reason. <laughs> to me, she's like, isn't this a prostitution delivery service? Those are my words, not hers. But that's what she basically says. Whereas the woman, and again, I can't remember names, is like, hey, no, this is fine. This is what I do. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not ashamed of what I do. So, and that's sort of the blah, blah, blah. I'll let you guys talk here, finally. But anyway, so Darren, I'll I'll let you talk as someone who actually, I'm sure, has the perfect mate. Again, like you said, Philip, you know, Beverly is the voice of reason. And it's it's a good episode because she's, you know, working off Picard, who is, you know, trying his best to, you know, not put his galactic foot in his mouth. But, um but yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, like Daniel, you've kind of talked, brought up many times like that dating in the future is super different than nowadays. Uh, you know, maybe that would lessen the impact of this episode. But again, this is a, you know, it's a Star Trek episode set in the nineties. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, I'm not really sure what message they're trying to get across because the way it ends, it's like, I don't know. It maybe it wasn't transparent enough. Uh I mean the title's pretty transparent right there, but um uh it it maybe they could should have gone a little more Stepford, like a little more like uh like into almost like a creepy way, like, oh yeah, this is like you wouldn't really be attracted to this, like this is almost like a program. Um but I don't know, it's it but then you throw in like the alien and it's like, is she dealt in, but she's not? I don't know. Also, the silliest thing about this episode, like literally silly, is I don't know if you guys remember this, the space miners that they pick up who are at the bar, and they, A, they look totally ridiculous. It's like almost a TOS alien. And like she goes over to the bar, she's like burping with them and like throwing down beer mugs with them. They're like, hey, here's a lady that knows Guy how to party. I'm like, really? Do we, do we need this? Anyway, but Daniel, what did you, you think of this one? 
Oh boy. Um. Yeah. I, I'm kind of. I don't. I don't even want to say I'm split on this episode because I don't even know that that's true. I don't have a problem. I mean, I I need to rewatch this episode. I guess is my point. Um. It's an interesting episode. Uh. So she. I guess really. It's a controversial subject, wrapped in a kind of typical story trope. I think. Right. The issue is not what is exactly, what is it that she's bred to do? The issue is, can you be different than what you're raised to do? It's kind of a nature Are you versus, more than the sum of your programming? Yeah, exactly. It's, an, it's, actually, it's actually a nature versus nurture story wrapped in sexuality, which is kind of what makes it controversial. So she has been brought up to be this kind of quote-unquote perfect mate, which she does very, very well. And it's, can you be more than that or not? And I don't think uh, the episode presents it in a way that you think that she is uh, that she's less than that. So it's 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 that's why, like Darren, what you were mentioning earlier, that it's actually not quite clear on its message because I think it's split on what exactly it's trying to say. Uh, I'm not sure if the point of the message, the point of the the episode, is to say uh, you can be more than what you're supposed to be. Um, or, uh, you can, you know, you can do all of these other things as well. It's, uh, I would have to rewatch it. Uh, it's, it's actually a really interesting episode either way. And I don't have a problem with how it's presented, at least in the quote unquote controversial sense. I don't have a problem with this. If, listen, if there's going to be an entire society, the Klingons based on, uh, you know, uh, rage and, and anger and violence uh, then like the Deltons like you mentioned Philip I don't have a problem with an entire society that's based on sexuality or justice or justice exactly I don't have a problem with that society at all or um, even uh, what is the, uh, the uh, even Risa I don't, have, I don't have a problem with that at all either so well let he who casts the first uh, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because it's one of those things when I watch the episode, I'm like, for one thing, again, for those who say TNG has no sex, this is an incredibly, incredibly sex-filled episode. You literally have Riker saying, I'll be in Holodeck 2. Uh, when he <laughs> tries, he, I believe his line is, as a rule, I never unwrap another man's presence. I believe that is what he, he tells me. He does say that. He does say that. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, and, and so I mean, it's when I watch this episode of my rewatch, I'm like, this is really about women's sexuality. Like, I don't think they intended it, but like, I mean, in some ways, it's a very like it doesn't seem dated. Like, this is about a woman who's very sexual. She's aware that she's very sexual, and people are like, is that and like you know in this fictional universe? Are like, is that is that all right? I mean, is that is like you know? And I mean, that's sort of the Picard of like because the the thing was like she had this old guy. And the purpose that she had the old guy assigned to her was so he would, you know, not be go towards the advances. And so yeah, that's why, like, at the end, he's like, well, Jean-Luc, I bet you, were you able to keep her eyes off her? And he said, ah, she's just an old man's fantasy. Oh, wait, that's another okay. episode. Never other, other episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But anyway, so. Okay. Well, guys, we unfortunately have one time for one more. <laughs> um, it's because I, I know which the next one is. All right, let's just rip off the Band-Aid. Season 1, Episode 14, Psy, Angel 1. Yeah, that happened, guys. Look, we're, we apologize. We are all sorry 
that Angel One happened. So, I mean, but the, I, what, what's the controversy, you would ask? And for those who don't know which episode this is, I'm not going to tell you, because honestly, you're better off not knowing. But I guess <laughs> the controversy is, you know, t- this is what I get from the episode, and, and it's been a while since the rewatch, other than going like, yep, pretty bad episode, I agree, is that, hey, when women are charged, they're just as bad, huh? Don't leave men hanging, guys. High five, know what I'm saying? But anyway. Um, but I mean, I guess this, you know, the, the intended point, right, the intended point was like, hey, you know, what if genders were reversed and it was the women who were, you know, large what and in charge? What if genders were reversed and written by a bunch of men? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the men in society minute. were small and wore makeup and I don't know if that's all I really remember. So anyway, um, <clears throat> guys. Most awkward V-necks ever. Yeah. So, uh, so Angel One, guys, you know, let's, I don't know, whatever. There, Daniel, you're on the spot. Angel One, go. <laughs> yeah, blah. I mean, you know, what is there to say? It's like we just said, it's 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 an episode about sexism written by men in kind of like a fantastical way of saying in 87. Yeah, like, hey, women aren't any better than us. They would just do the same. They would just do the same stuff. When I write them, they do exactly the same thing as we would do. I just it's 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 fact. It's 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 silly and ridiculous and and it's. I mean, I okay, okay. I, I will say something controversial. Um, is as much credit as I can give this episode is saying, at least, at least, at least these people were trying, although failing completely. At least they were trying to address the issue. That, that's something, right? Can we give them a little bit of credit? That's something, right? We'll give them one. We'll give them one out of a hundred credits for for the <laughs> angel one. <laughs> it's, it's well, Daniel, as you've discussed, the economics of the future are somewhat different. So they get nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I really I'm not I'm not trying to give them any credit, but I just I want to be more positive than negative. So I'm just like fine. They were at least trying to address an issue that was actually a significant issue at the time and still is today. And it's something that we need to have a conversation about all the time. And uh, that, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. <laughs> that's all I can say about it. No, can't you see? My half of the face is black. His <laughs> On the right side. <laughs> it's, anyway. So Darren, you know, angel one. Everyone gets a turn here. What uh, a turn! Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I just want to talk about the hunted. I like that episode way better. <laughs> well, um, fine, let's do it here. Let's let's uh, fast forward here. Fine, yeah, we did Angel One. All right, so show the people the hunted. So, the hunted. Go uh, season three, episode eleven, and this one talks about what to do with your PTSD vets, and you know, and it's it's this is the one. If you didn't know, it's where. Also, let, let the, me insert there in case any listeners are like, "Why does Darren hate America?" That is what I wrote on the outline, not Darren. So go ahead, Darren. <laughs> in the words of Philip, what do you do with your PTSD bets? But up, um, um, so this is the one where there's like the quote unquote resort planet or moon or whatever at this you know around a planet where all the former super conditioned military people are forced to live and they're basically prisoners there and uh not Zephyrin Cochran is the administrator of this planet. <laughs> he has a mustache. And, you could totally tell it's not Zephyrin Cochran. And he's not dealing in a tulaberry wine. Uh so Darren, um, let's let's just be honest about what the, <laughs> let's just be honest about what the episode is. It's 
It's the Botany Bay Senior Center. That's exactly what it is. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this planet's trying to vie for Federation membership, and everything seems good on the surface, but uh, after a little bit of poking around, Picard and crew basically determined that this <laughs> the way they're dealing with their, you know, the veterans is like the loosest term I could even think of because they're basically still brainwashed program soldiers who are having extreme difficulties <clears throat> or not. They're not even given the option to reintegrate into society. They're just boxed up and placed in their prison moon. Um, and it's like, it's no you know, moon. It's no moon. It's a prison. Uh, so, you know, the, the wolves pulled out and, uh, but, but I mean, we do get some awesome scenes where the one is like, he's, you know, he's escaping and he uses really cool tactics around the, asteroid or moon or whatever was there uh is the good. data of yeah. prisoner escapees uh so that was kind of cool but but uh you know all those you know things combined though yeah i think this episode uh you know does paint a pretty you know clear picture of yeah we as a society we have a responsibility to not just give our vets a, a, a paycheck or or give them you know uh, a, a pat on the back or a parade it's like no we, we've asked these people to do <clears throat> we've asked these people to to kill other people which is a very difficult thing is a very intense and damaging self-damaging act uh and you know that that there are is a it, like we've said many times in this episode there just there needs to be a discussion there needs to be more put towards this uh now i don't have you know any direct family you know in the military i think philip has more connections in that regard than i do but uh, does that kind of sound would you feel philip like this episode kind of really is trying to say yeah because the interesting just again to to I, i think as we've said you know sometimes they can write these episodes and not realize how it'll reverberate because the context for this Again, this is what third season, so we're talking in 87, 89, 90. Okay, the only veterans, veterans are Vietnam veterans at that time, and so that's kind of what this is talking about. Hey, and you know, that was still fresh in the mind. I mean, this is kind of post Gulf War One, but in a way, it's, like it's 10 still years. That's really not that far. Yeah, so it's kind of still dealing with because the Vietnam veterans, and then you know because that we had a draft back then, obviously for those who don't remember, um, and so you know lots of people went to war who didn't want to go to war, but you know, some who did and they came back and then how do we deal with that effects? And then of course, here we are in 2014 where we are been at least the United States have been engaged in war for decade. Um, and so, you know, I, I went to one of them. Um, so we, you know, both in Iraq and Afghanistan and of course around the world, all the other stuff we do. So, I mean, yeah, I've certainly, you know, I've been in combat and, and, um, and so, yeah. and and, And so I think it kind of reverberates, today you know i don't what does that that episode the hundred does it still stand out i think i'd have to watch rewatch it again but yeah it's basically like as you said darren we send these folks whether whatever country you're from um you send these folks to kill in your name basically whether you agree with what their mission is or not um but then they have to come home and then what do we do with them you know do you know how because it's the follow-up of how do we deal with all these veterans and of course everyone my age who went to these two wars and, you know, have been back now, you know, we're going to have to deal with this. I mean, not that I'm saying I have any issues, not that I'm not, not saying, but you know, we have to deal with this for the next, and we're pretty young, you know, thirties, we're in our thirties. Um, and so if, we're, if we live for the next 70 years, 
that's you're gonna have to we have to deal with that for the next seventy years. And so, I mean, that's certainly what this issue kind of throws or episode throws out there. So, so any any thoughts on the hunted Daniel? Other than that's not how combat just work. <laughs> no, you know, um, I, I I don't really know that I would have much to to add to the conversation, especially you know, Philip, with 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 the fact that you. You know that that you are kind of you yourself with what, what this episode is kind of addressing, uh, and it's it's it is interesting, and it is it's a, it's a it's a worthy conversation to have. Just like I think most good Star Trek does, it brings up a topic that maybe people are uncomfortable like actually talking about. Um, and I, really, the whole point of this episode is is the episodes that TNG brings up that. Maybe people would be would be just would be okay and more polite not to bring it up. But I think that all of these conversations are worth having, and um, I I don't have any answers for any of these uh, situations. Uh, I don't I'm not any better or any smarter than anybody else. And, and but I do and like I'm willing to at least. Uh, yeah, and I think you you bring it out, Daniel, that that's the point of all these episodes, whether they're written well, written poorly, acted well, acted poorly, that. We talk about the issue. I mean, that's that's what the point of sci-fi. We at least are now talking about the issue that maybe just like in The Hunted, we don't talk about those guys. Well, they're here. And they're, they got a gun point at your head, so you need to figure it out now. Now's the time to talk about it. Um, so anyway, but controversial storylines are not the only thing that we've been talking about on Network this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed here on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm. Standard Orbit. And and so I was biased against it. it even when I started buying the, the two-disc collector's edition DVDs, I avoided buying any of the even-numbered movies. Odd-numbered Odd movies. Numbered movies. <laughs> Earl Grey. Like, uh, like they stated in the end of the movie, you know, they thought he'd outlive all of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what should have happened. We should have seen Data, like, in the... You know, 26th century, like Data 5.0, whatever we call them. To the journey! You don't know if she's going to stab him or smooch him. She's going to smooch him, of course, after dessert. <laughs> after dessert. We all know what dessert means. Warp 5. Along with technology and along with trying to study the origins of a lot of different things that we've come to know in, in the original series and beyond... It's hard to try and deconstruct it without insulting what has come in all of the things that we know of being Vulcan Mind Melt. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And my thought was in the next scene, Crusher should have the body of the dead Klingon sitting on the back of her toilet holding a candle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what she would only get to do after Lieutenant Yara's gotten to hold the dead Klingon up to her ear to see if she can hear the ocean. Commentary, Trek Stars. Everything you would imagine would be in an opening title sequence for this show is in there i think the shot that really does it for me the shot that really pulls everything together is when he dunks the basketball (laughs) (laughs) melodic treks so we do know an awful lot of people get associated with vic fontaine he name drops to the nth degree about all the famous people that he with. one of whom is frank sinatra axinar the official podcast when there's a possibility for something to be misunderstood or um, not clearly explained, it can potentially open up a big hole for a show because people can end up going down a path that was actually not what somebody wanted 
to be done. The 602 Club. What are those Bond movies that you go back to time and time again because they just do it better? Uh, first of all, Matthew, nobody does it better. That's true. Uh, it makes uh, me feel sad for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send to show and, of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. So, Daniel, if people want to talk about all your controversial views, where can they, they can reach you on They can, of course, find me interwebs? on Twitter. Let's talk. I, let's have a conversation. Um, I am at 1updan. That is the number one, uh, not the word. And I'm more than interested to hear your opinions as well. And, Darren, if people want to know how they, like you, can find the perfect mate. How can they reach you on the interwebs? Uh, not that that's primarily what I use Twitter for, but yes, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-E-I-F-I. And if Maureen's not listening, I've set him up twice and he has not yet said, yes, my wife is the perfect mate. So I hope you can refund that Christmas gift of his because obviously he doesn't deserve it. Um, for folks who want to reach me, they can find me on Twitter as well. My handle is is NC Public Servant. That's NC for not controversial. That was good. I like that one. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I have to go put on this outfit that Chris Jones sent me. Apparently, it's the new Earl Grey Captain outfit. Is this all? I'm, is there more to it? Uh, this is a little controversial to wear. Until then, we'll see you all next week here on Earl Grey. Until then, make it so. Live long and and game. Fire.